Good morning, beloved Orangewood. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 13. It's one of my favorites. It's an incredible psalm. It's a such brutally honest psalm. I'm so grateful the Bible just tells us the truth. And the Bible allows us to kind of uh, speak our minds without fear that God's going to rebuke us. It's incredible. We're in the midst of a uh, series, a sermon series called Worship by Design. And the reality of that is each one of you, uh, no matter who you are and no matter where you've been, uh, that God has designed you beautifully and fearfully. God has designed you for himself. And ultimately, your ultimate purpose is to worship and to worship the God who is, to know and love him because he knows and loves us. And isn't that good news? When we look at this worship by design, what we've been doing is we're going through the Psalms, which is like the Bible uh, songbook, and it's going to give us a voice to our worship of God. But we're also looking at elements of our worship. How do we design our worship to tell the whole story of the Bible? Because you're here, and really what we want to do is not just worship God, but remind ourselves is, what is God's story? How much does God love? What has God done for us? So we've been looking at each element of our worship service and how that element tells the story, uh, the good news, the gospel story. And today's story is a hard one. It's it's lament. It's it's moaning. It's crying. It's it's, uh, longing for more. Have you been there? What a week. What a week. I don't even know where to start. I guess I'll start on Thursday. On Thursday, my sister had her third cancer surgery. Uh, Third cancer surgery in 10 years. Uh, This year, she's also had a brain tumor removed that caused trigeminal neuralgia uh, from her body. And so, second major surgery. The surgery was at Shands, uh, where they have some specialists up there in Gainesville. Uh, The surgery was scheduled for four to five hours. It took nearly 12. And as you sat there and you waited and you waited and you waited, and many of you have been there, you know, and you say, how long, O Lord? How long? How long is this going to go on? What in the world is happening? Kind of longing for more information, longing for word to come that, that everything is okay. But as the hours kept clicking so slowly along, and the wait got longer and longer and heavier and heavier. You cry, how long, O Lord? How long? The next day, Friday, I left Gainesville in the morning after seeing her, and she got through, and I was mending, um, long road to recovery. I drove to Ocala, and I drove to Ocala on Friday to do the graveside service for Zane Jones, our 15-month-old covenant child who drowned a little over a week ago. Have you seen a casket this size? You cry out, how long, O Lord? How come, O Lord? When? When will this stop? I mean, when will will this pain go away? Why? How long? Just here yesterday, I did a memorial service. For a 53-year-old man, a brother of one of our members who took his life. How long, O Lord? How long? How come? We've all cried laments to God. If you've lived on this earth more than 24 hours, all of us have cried those laments. All of us have said things like, 
how come, O Lord? All of us have said things like, why now, O Lord? All of us have prayed things like, when will you answer, O Lord? Many of us, and some may even still right now, are saying, where are you, O Lord? Those are prayers of lament. And lament is basically a a feeling that expresses sorrow or regret. Maybe better said, it's mourning deeply. It's mourning deeply of, of all the things that aren't what they should be and all the brokenness of our lives. It's one thing we all share. It's a common cry, is it not? It's, a, it's one thing we share, not just with us, but the entire world. It's a cry of humanity for all people since time began, really, since the fall, is a cry, how long, how come? I mean, it's such a part of God's story. Think of this. It's such a part of God's story that an entire book of the Bible is called Lamentations. An entire book is dedicated to the reality that we cry for more, we long for more in a broken world. Well, you see, the Bible story is this. In the big context, the story of the Bible tells us that the world is not what it should be. That God created everything. He looked at it and he said, this is good. And you and I in his image are very good. And the story of God's creation was of light and of life. But because of a fall, everything has been marred. Because of our sin, everything has been broken. Because of something going tragically wrong, we have been separated from God. And His creation has been broken. So now we live our lives, don't we? We lament. We lament that everything is broken in here. That everything is broken within here. And everything is broken out there. But the story of the Bible just doesn't only tell us of of how the world should be. It tells us the good news of how the world will be. And what's called the new heavens and the new earth. That God himself is doing a cosmic restoration project. And that good news of Jesus. That Jesus tells us he's come and he's come to make all things new. Listen, he's come to make you new. He's come to redeem your story. He's come to give you and me hope. I live off of Ornell, and they're doing some construction by the lake there, uh, or the pond. I, I, where I grew up, we call that a puddle. It's more of a pond, but down here they call anything with about six gallons of water lakes. And it's that lake, and I think at one time, I think it was called Lake Lula at one time, and I think... A long time ago, there was an orange grove by it. Uh, a friend of mine has a sign of Lake Lula. But now it's a mud puddle orinal. I mean, I'm not sure what the name of it is. And I'm not sure what they're doing, but they're, they're drilling in some really uh, deep metal, uh, rusty objects, I think, to keep the road from sliding into the, to the lake. And when they started the construction, the sign came up, said, construction on this road till September 8th. Then it's construction on this road till September 30th. And now it just says, good luck getting through the road, you know? You might say, I mean, come on, come on. I mean, how, how long will this project take? Well, God says he's come to make all things new. We want to cry out and say, well, God, how long is this project going to take? How many more gravesides? How many more divorces? How many more kids do we have to bury? How many more folks have to lose their grip on life and take their own life? How long, O Lord? 
Our lament is the cry of our hearts, but here's the reality. It's not a solo cry. It's interesting because Jack read it this morning. It's not just our cry. It's a cry of creation. The Bible tells us that creation itself has been subject to a curse. And in Romans 8, it says, creation moans and groans for the day that God will ultimately come and make all things new. I I can't hear that groan. But God says even creation is groaning. It's interesting. It's not only that, but it says that the martyred saints in heaven, in the book of Revelation, Revelation 6.10, it says they too are crying out saying, how long, O Lord, how long? Think about that for a minute. Even in heaven, there is a longing for more. Even in heaven, there's a longing for the story to finally reach its culmination. And, and no more death, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more graveside services. No more. How long? But if we listen closely, we see that it's not just we who cry. It's not just creation that cries. But here's, here's the, the most amazing fact that God himself cries lament with us and for us. In Romans 8, it also tells us that the Holy Spirit inside of us groans. It groans for, for more. So this morning, as we look to God's word in Psalm 13, we will see our cry of lament is to God. Our cry of lament is with God. And our cry of lament is worship of God. Let's read God's holy word. We read it this morning. Let's read again Psalm 13. Probably a psalm I turn to most in the midst of being a pastor like this in a congregation that continually like all churches, is broken. Psalm 13. To the choir master, a psalm of David, clearly was written to be sung, a lament of mourning. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your loving kindness, or I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Let us pray. Father God, there's a song here. There's a song that we need to sing. There's a song that we need to hear. There's a song that we need to understand in the midst of everything that is broken. In the times that we feel that you're hiding from us, the times that we feel that you have forgotten us because of the work of your Son, even in those times, we have a song to sing. So God, I pray that for all of us, for those who feel that you're far away, for those who feel that you're close, for those who aren't sure that you even exist, and for all of us who cry, how long? 
would you come and speak? Would you speak through a broken sinner like me? I desperately need to hear this message that you're calling me to preach. God, would you give us ears to hear your voice and your voice alone? Would you give us minds to understand your word? It's, it's confusing because there's both lament and worship all together in, in six short verses. How do we do that? Would you give us hearts to embrace your truth because you want to enter into relationship with us? And God, would you give us hands that will do your work and feet that will walk in a manner of your name? The things that I say that are wrong are merely my opinion. May those things be forgotten and fall away. But the things that are said that are true, that contain the good news of the gospel, and oh, how we need good news in moments like these. Would you use those things to give us hope and comfort? Would you use those things to make us more like your son, our Savior, Jesus? And it's in his holy and precious name that we pray. Amen. If you'd like to follow along, you'll find an outline for you in your bulletin. And the first thing you're going to see is our cry of lament is to God. You may say, okay, well, what does that actually mean? Our, our cry of lament to God. Well, why? Because God has given us a story. He's told us his story. His story is what we call redemptive history. It gives us a context for our voice to find lament. In his story, the story of the Bible, he has told us that things aren't what they should be. There will be brokenness. There will be sadness. Your hearts will be broken. There was a fall. There, there was a separation from God. Sin entered the picture, and everything got messed up. Everything got broken. Everything got hard, and, and even our relationships now are hard. <laughs> Even the ones we love the most, it's, it's sometimes cut us the deepest. You know, the ones we love the most, we, we, still, we can't protect. And the things we hold are precious seem to slip away. I mean, it's just, it's just hard, is it not? On a broken world, it is so hard. Things aren't what they should be. But he tells us that story again, that things aren't what they will be. He gives us a hope. He shines light in the darkness. He says, a day is coming where there's going to be no more sorrow. A day is coming when there's going to be more, no more tears. A day is coming, ready for this, where you're not even able to sin. <laughs> oh, how I long for that day. A day is coming where there'll be no more pain. A day is coming where there's just not this ache in your heart. You know that ache. I know you know that ache. I mean, you, you know it for loved ones that are lost. You know it for relationships that are strained. You know it for financial issues. You know it. I mean, that, that ache, you know that ache that just walks around you with you like a friend you don't want to have that never leaves you? He's saying, well, there's a day coming where that's going to be no more. Oh, how we long for that day. But it's not here yet. But i got to love this reality. As I sat in the hospital waiting for hour after hour, actually saying, how long, oh Lord? What was pressed upon me is this, is that only Christians, only those who have God's story, really have a context for lament. Now let's, just, let's take God out of the equation for a moment. We won't keep him out of the equation for very long. But let's take God out of the equation for the moment. And then basically say, what is there to lament? If evolution is true, if we got here by chance, if there is no cosmic designer and we just happen to be here, and it's the survival of the fittest, we have no reason to lament, right? 
you can't complain on how things are. If God's out of the equation, things are what they are. And if, if there's no God in the equation, no, no one who said he created it all good, what are you lamenting? If there's problems in your life, you're the problem. You're not fit enough. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not healthy enough. You can't do it. So if you want to lament, lament yourself. Lament nothing else. But you have no context for it. And what is your context for hope? There's no hope without God. There's absolutely zippo, zero hope without him. You see, what Christians have is we have a story, God's story, God's true story, the Bible, that gives us a voice and a context for lamenting. We live in what theologians call now, and is what is called the now and the not yet. You've probably heard me, if you've heard me preach over the years, talk about that. It's very important for us to understand this concept. Because God makes these huge, ginormous, Herculean promises that he will come and make all things new. That he himself will come. He will come as a savior. He'll come as a redeemer. And the cry of the Old Testament is, Come, oh come, Emmanuel, come and do what we promised. He did. His name was Jesus. He came and he said that this is the day of the Lord, that he did come and he did live the life we were supposed to live. He did die the death that we deserve to die. He was resurrected from the grave, so we know that life reigns. And right now, listen, the now of that story is this. Right now, in this very nanosecond, God's people in Christ Jesus, we are beloved, we are forgiven, we are free in Christ Jesus. Right now, we have relationship with him. Right now, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a reality now that we're his, and we've been blessed by him. There's a now of our Christianity. And you've, many of you have tasted that, you know it. And many of you just know this now has just changed your life. The reality that he was pierced for your transgressions. The reality that he bled for your sins. The reality that now he lives to intercede for you. That's really good news. That's the now. But there's also a not yet to our story. That the story isn't reached its fullness. We can't have the best life now. There's more to come. We still are burying our covenant children. We still are wrestling with brokenness every day of our life. Jesus has not come back again like he's promised. He hasn't ushered in the new heavens and the earth. He hasn't forever banished death, although he's conquered it. He hasn't forever banished our pain and our sorrows. We still live in them. So that's where you are. You see what the Bible does, it kind of tells you, you are here. Wouldn't you love to have that kind of picture sometimes of your life? You are here. Here's where you are in the story. Here's where you are in God's plan. I think that would be both joyful and terrifying all at the same time. Can you imagine, here's where you are, and this is how much more you got. Or here's where you are, and this is what's ahead of you. But you see, the Bible, the story of God is basically going to say, here's where you are, and here's where you're going. It, it kind of charts a path for you. So why? So listen, so in the midst of this, you can lament. You can honestly cry out. But you also can have hope. You see, our cry is to God. Why? Because it's his story. Because he gave us the context for the story. Does that make sense? But listen, you can't miss this. If you listen closely, not only do we realize that our lament is to God. Listen, if you listen closely, if you listen closely, you will see that our lament is with God. If you listen closely, 
God's voice of lament can be heard with our cries of lament. God's tears, God's sorrow, God's brokenness is being expressed with us and for us. And that's the second thing. Our cry of lament with God. Misery loves, it does. Misery loves company. Why? Well, there's something that we know that is powerful about weeping with those who weep. There's something cathartic, something healing about being in misery with those who are in misery. We have come to to see that that is not just a cool little saying. That is a reality. Clearly, misery does love company because in that company we find companionship. In that company we find unity. In that company we find strength. Even in that company we have hope. Why do we have memorial services? Well, it's part of the reality that we gather because misery loves company. And together we try to find hope of what God can do in the mess that we've made. You got to hear this. If you hear nothing else, you got to hear this. God chooses. God chooses to enter into our misery. God chooses to enter into our lament. I don't choose the misery and laments. I mean, sometimes my sin will bring it upon me, but in reality, we live in such a broken world, right? I mean, none of us choose, oh, I'm going to lament now. You just go into that part of your life, but here's the reality of a God who's outside of time, a God who created all things, an all-powerful God, yet he chooses to lament with us and for us. How do we know that? Because God is love. Because God says, I am love. And no one has loved this broken world without lamenting. Can't you see that? No one has loved broken people without lamenting. And we have to realize that the, the story of the Bible is not just about our lament. It's a story of a God who laments. A God, you ready for this? A God who not just observes sorrow, not just weeps with sorrow, but ready for this? A God who enters in to the center of the story of lament. A God who would love so much that he would suffer for you. A God who loves so much he would suffer with you. A God who would love this messed up, broken place so much that he would send his only son in. Don't, don't, don't forget, where is he sending his son into a world? A world that was so broken. A world that was so violent. A world that would kill his only begotten son. And you know he knew it. And yet he sought him in. A God who would love so deeply that would send his son into a broken world. And the story of the Bible is that through his brokenness, the world would be healed. It's incredible what he is willing to suffer. And again, what, 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 as I sit and I think about where we are in the story, and I realize there's a song that's being sung beside me, and God is the one, and a song who's being sung inside me, and God is the one who sings misery and sorrow and lament with us. And he absolutely chose it. 
He didn't have to. He chose to. You see, God and God alone has the power and the ability to stop the pain. God and God alone has the ability and the power to not lament. But God is so loving and gracious that he will choose your pain. Listen, he chooses your sorrow. He chose your sins. The only thing you could claim on your own, apart from God's grace, is your, your sins. He says, I'll even own those. All of your brokenness, all of your sorrow. That's the story of the Bible. Jesus, you know what they called him? The prophet Isaiah was coming, and they said, he is going to be the suffering servant. He is going to be Jesus, the man of sorrows. He is going to be the one who will weep by his friend's grave, Lazarus, but do more than just weep over that death. He would cry a victory over it because he would taste that death. Jesus was the one who embodied lament. Do you hear that? He embodied the lament of God and his people. No matter what is going on in your life, only Christianity, only the gospel of Jesus Christ tells you of a God who suffers with you. Only in Christianity do we have a God who suffers for you. And oh, what a joy it is to know that there's a context for this story. There's a God who is lamenting with us. And then lastly, our cry of lament as worship of God. Let's look again at Psalm 13 at the end because these are staggering verses that, that the English probably doesn't give us the full depth of what is being said here in verses 5 and 6. But he's been crying out saying, how long will you hide your face from me? We know in Christ Jesus he never will. You know, how long, Lord, will you forget me? We know he never will. But he comes to this conclusion in verse 5. But I've trusted in your steadfast love. And I don't know what your translation reads there, but it's the Hebrew word hesed. It's a beautiful uh, word that means basically this. I'm trusting in your loving kindness. And this, this word is, is a word of relationship. This word is a word that tells us that God is in, in community with us. It's a word that says, I want to be your God and you will be my people. It's, it's loving kindness that God is saying, I'm going to enter into your story. And I'm going to pull you into my story. Your life, my life. We're going to be one. And this loving kindness that, that I'm going to give to you is going to be always in relationship. Everything you feel, I feel. Everything that touches you touches me. And everything, that ble the blessings I have are all going to flow from me. So I've trusted in the reality of, of his love, this relationship, this covenant love that God has for us. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation, your salvation. God is the one who will bring salvation. Remember, when did David write this? He wrote this long before Christ would come. But he's going to trust in the fact that God will provide salvation, God and God alone. He's the only one who can do it. I'm going to trust in your salvation. And then we have the one who starts off by saying, will you forget me forever, tuning his heart to sing. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. 
see what the reality is this is saying is this, is no matter where you are, no matter what is going on in the depths of sorrow, at a graveside, in a hospital room, uh, in the midst of the divorce papers, no matter where you are and what you are doing, God's loving kindness is strong enough that by God's grace, through tears, through everything that's broken in our lives, he gives us and only us, he gives us and only us the ability to sing. The ability to sing a song in the midst of brokenness. He reminds us that even our worship, even our lament is a form of worship because, God, we trust you. We have you. What's really hard about, oh gosh, there's so many things hard about losing a child 15 months the grandparents that were there. And, and the story is just so hard. But one of, the, one of the hard things about our story here at Orangewood, it just, it sounds oh too familiar. We've been here. We've done this. This has been painful. And the Taylors aren't here, but they've lost a child. I mean, Vicki Taylor, who sings most Sundays, I mean, she lost her son, Jesse. And my son, Caleb's about the same age, or would have been the same age. And just every time, I just, you remember, they were in the nursery together. But when Vicki sings, I believe Jesus. <laughs> when Vicki sings, the gospel is real. I mean, for one, she's a great singer. But the reality that a mom could stand up and sing the praises of a God who is. A God who allowed her child to drown. I just say, man, I believe. If Vicki believes, I believe. If she can sing, I can sing. And that, that's, that's kind of this, the ability to worship God in the midst of the lament. The, the ability that God has loved us and he is with us. Why? Because she, because we trusted in God's steadfast love. That He is our God. We are His people. He will make all things new. We will rejoice in His salvation. And we look to Him and Him alone because we say, nothing else will heal our broken hearts, right? Try to fill it. Try to fix it yourself. It's just going to cause more damage. He and He alone can heal our broken hearts. He and He alone can restore our cursed world. He and He alone can change our lament into dancing. And I don't know when He will, but He will. And that's walking by faith, saying, God, I'm going to trust you. We sing to the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with us. Do you see that? Do you know that? Do you believe that? How do we know that God has dealt bountifully with us? Well, he has so loved us that he would send his son to rescue us and enter into the center of our lament. Jesus so loved us that he would suffer with us and suffer for us. God so loves us that he would send the Holy Spirit into our hearts to comfort us and to to groan with us and to be a guarantee that there's more to come. The story continues in Christ Jesus. God has dealt bountifully with each of us. God hasn't forgotten us. He can't. He never will. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. God hasn't hidden his face from us. 
Even as sinful and broken as we are, he hid his face from his son Jesus on the cross. Jesus would cry out, my God, my God, why have you turned your face from me? Why have you forsaken me? So he'll never turn his face from you. No matter how dark it is. No matter how difficult it is. No matter how distant you think he is. He says, I'll never turn my face from him. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. How do we know that God has dealt bountifully with us? Jesus died. Jesus rose. Jesus is coming again. He's dealt bountifully with us. Jesus died. Jesus rose. Jesus is coming again. He has dealt bountifully with us. And so we cry out, how long, O Lord? How long? We lament, but we lament with hope. And we lament with a God who laments with us. And that is good news. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you that we have a God who just doesn't gloss over the story. And we, doesn't, we don't have a God who pretends that this isn't painful and hard. And we don't have a God who says to us, just get over it. No, no, no. We have a God who says, in your life, in this story, you will have pain and sorrow. You are here. And because you are here, yes, there's some joy of being loved and forgiven, but you're not home yet. And you, are lament. you will lament. But God, I thank you more than just a story that tells us a context to find a voice of lament. It's incredible to have a gospel reality that you, our God, chooses to lament with us and enter into the heart of our brokenness and pain to taste our tears, to taste our death so that we could taste your joy, forgiveness, and life eternal in Christ Jesus. We thank you that we're not orphans. We thank you that we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and and the Holy Spirit is the God of all comfort inside of us and it's a guarantee that that there's more to come, that, that you will finish what you've started, our great Father. That there is a day coming with no more tears, no more sadness, no more sorrow, no more really small caskets. But we thank you for the hope that we have, even today, in the midst of our tears. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.